Good morning. Hello. Shalom. Ni hao to our Chinese friends who are here with us this morning. I'd like to welcome everyone here this morning and just say that I'm grateful that Pastor Mike has asked me. I'm not sure why he's asked me to speak when we have Dr. Wiggins who could bring the message. We have Dr. Ellis. We have Reverend Falk. We have a university just a couple miles down the road and there are a lot of very equipped, very talented people. And uh, so I'm just going to uh, speak the word God has put on my heart for our church here this morning and, um, and just believe that as God was, was just stirring some things up um, in my heart, I, I believe that it, what needs to be said is timely. It's, it's fitting and it is in the right season. And the Bible talks about giving a word in due season. And, and it's important to know that because it's the word that will carry you through to the next season. And so sometimes God comes along and, 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 and we read and he, and he speaks to our hearts and the word he gives us carries us through. It, maybe it's a difficult time. Maybe it's a time where we have uh, multiple things going on in our lives. But, um, but this morning I just wanted to say... Welcome, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to speak on behalf of Pastor Mike. So oftentimes when a pastor goes away, he, he doesn't really know what's going to happen. Um, he just has to trust that um, the word is going to be spoken and that the sheep, that is the, the, the flock, the congregation, are going to receive good food. <laughs> so this morning, um, I promise to give you good food, which is the word of God. Amen. Well, as I was preparing this, this message, um, God started stirring some things up in my own heart, and, and I wanted to, um, to just share with you uh, just a few things this morning, and I believe that as we, as we go through them together, that we will see how our heart is spoken of many times in the Bible. And what it has to say, well, it's not always so good. In just a couple days, we're going to be celebrating Valentine's Day, right? And I'm a history guy. I love history. I always have. I, I've always done well in history. I, I always uh, could reimagine um, maybe what was going on in that time of, of, of history and then retell the story. And I always did well, and I was, was always impressed in, uh, in college at Southern Westland when we would have a professor, Dr. Lou Tolles, who would just get up as the, the history professor, no notes, and could lecture about a certain event or time or person in history. And it just, it, it just astounded me. And I just, I, 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 I loved that. And I also love biblical history. And in addition to that, Valentine's Day is in just a couple days. And I had heard a little bit about Valentine's Day before, but I really wasn't sure about the history of it. 
And you know that most of the major holidays, most of the major celebrations, if you want to call them, in the calendar are associated with the Bible. In fact, even St. Patrick's Day, which we sort of associate with being Irish and having shamrocks and green and, 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 and all those things. And um, some people will uh, partake of certain beverages. <laughs> Not me, but I'm just saying um, it's sort of associated with St. Patrick's Day. But if you know anything about St. Patrick, the real story has to do with Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland, who, um, who it is said that he eventually, through his, his preaching and him sharing the gospel message, drove evil out of Ireland. And it is said even that when evil left, so did all the snakes. So the tradition has it that in Ireland there are, there are no snakes because of St. Patrick. So I started um, thinking about Valentine's Day. And I found something that I wanted to share with you here this morning that tells just a little bit about it. So if we could have that, uh, that clip. Wow. Thank you, media team. That clip is from the History Channel. And I can tell you from working in the post office that it is true about the cards. <laughs> it is very true. Well, I wanted to um, just, just share again a little bit about, uh, uh, about the heart. And, you know, we have, uh, we have balloons and flowers, candy, and, of course, the cards. And, and the symbol for Valentine's Day is a red heart. And today we're going we're gonna to see what the Bible tells us about our hearts and how that applies to our lives today. You know the medical community can run tests to see whether or not you have a good heart, or whether, a heart, whether or not your heart needs to be operated on, needs to have surgery, or even, in extreme cases, needs to be transplanted. And some of these tests include things like uh, EKG, which is an echocardiogram. Um, they can take your blood pressure, and they have the, the cuff and, the, and the, the squeezy thing. And there's a, a name for that specific instrument. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because it's like 22 letters long. <laughs> but it takes your blood pressure. Um, there's also um, things that you can have called stints. You can have a heart cath which really is uh, related to the Greek word to cleanse, to cleanse. People who are really involved in health and fitness want to have a good cardio workout because the cardio is related to another Greek word, which means the heart. It means the heart. They can replace valves. My grandmother had a valve replacement done not too long ago. And Billy Fay, 20 years ago, had open heart surgery. That's a scary 
position to have to be in. I um, invited a friend. I was hoping he'd be here this morning, but I, uh, he was my neighbor, and we're still good friends, but his name is Keith. And I can tell you about Keith. Keith is a, he was a great guy, very warm, very welcoming, very hospitable. We do a lot of things together, even, even still, though, not as much as we used to. And let me tell you about Keith. Keith is a great guy. But he had a bad heart. See, Keith, the doctors found, was in danger of an aortic aneurysm. And had to get surgery within two weeks of finding out. And actually, they, they, that was as soon as they could schedule it. But when you have an, a, 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 a heart that is bad, it... It, it needs to be replaced. There has to be some procedure, some operation done so that your heart can be made right. And if my friend did not have a surgery within that time of period, he had a very, very high possibility of sudden death. Internal bleeding which is so catastrophic that they cannot do anything about it. See, we all need to have major heart surgery. And the kind I'm talking about does not require a doctor to cut you open necessarily with a saw and to get in there and to do what he needs to do. It has to happen with gentle hands where no one can see it taking place. Let's look at what the Bible says about our hearts. Let's see if we can bring up our scripture, Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart, if we can go on, was only evil. All the time, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. This is God. This is very early on in the Bible. In fact, we can go even earlier and find out there's an even, there's a, a sibling rivalry, if you want to call it that, Cain versus Abel. And Cain murdered his brother even before the sixth chapter in Genesis. He murdered his brother. See, God has a heart. This is important. God has a heart. You are on God's heart and you can grieve God's heart. Did you know you can grieve the heart of God? You could grieve the heart of Almighty God. Genesis says God was deeply troubled at what he had made.
From very early on, God is grieved because of the evil intentions of mankind's heart. The Russian writer Fedor Dostoevsky said that by denying God, they will end themselves with bloodshed because bloodshed cries out for more bloodshed. Jesus said it like this, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Let's see the real problem of evil comes from inside of us. It comes from inside of us. It's on the inside. That's what, you know, the, the major cause of death in South Carolina is heart disease. It's heart disease. The number one killer in the state is heart disease. Let's move on to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 6. And this is, very, uh, this is a foundational scripture in Judaism on which Jesus quotes himself in the Bible. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It tells us that's who God is. And now here's how we are to serve him. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Hebrew understanding of the heart has to do with the source of emotion. The source of emotion, it is in the heart. And we'll get to that in just a little while. But in the Hebrew mindset, the Hebrew understanding, it's the heart. That's where the emotions Come up. See, you're to love God with all of your heart. What's that saying? It's saying that not only are you to love God with your, with your strength, but also on an emotional level. You are to love God with your emotions. By giving him your heart. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I can say as a person thinks in their heart, so they are. In other words, what controls your thought life, what you think about, is what you will become. Let's look at Jeremiah 24, verse 7. Jeremiah is a prophet of God to Israel. He says, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. Look at what God says through the prophet. He says, I will give them. I will do this. God himself will will do the work. 
See, the, the most difficult thing we have with our, with, with, with our heart is when we're facing something that is so impossibly difficult to do, the only way it can be done is if God does it for us. And the Bible says in Jeremiah verse 20, uh, chapter 24, verse 7, it says, I will give them a heart to know me. This is God's work. Because otherwise, without God doing it, it becomes a chore, a bore, something else I got to do. And God doesn't want you to see him as another burden, another chore, something to check off on the list that you got to do. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. This is what I was saying. In the Hebrew understanding, the heart is, is where the emotions come out. And it says, in another translation, for out of it flow the issues, spring forth the issues of life. We're to guard our hearts. We're to guard our hearts. You having issues in life, emotional issues? Maybe you need to check your heart. See, naturally, when things don't go well, we, we, we want to cast blame on someone else, on something else, on anything else. Why? Because we don't want to look at the heart. See, evil and wickedness is not proof that God does not exist. Evil and wickedness is proof that God does not exist in us. And listen, and, and rejecting God, listen, does not necessarily make you an evil person, necessarily. And believing in God does not make you a perfect, sinless angel. James says even demons believe in God. How can that be? Demons believe in God? <laughs> so what's the difference? Someone who does reject God, someone who doesn't reject God. What is the difference? Because you can have unsaved people who know how to act like Christ. You can have Democrats who are very nice people. Republicans who are very nice people. Muslims who are very nice people. Christians who are very nice people. So what's the difference between them all? What's the difference of all these people who know how to act nice? See, I used to make the mistake of thinking that because someone acts nice, they are saved. 
And that's not true. The difference... The difference is that the Christian has given his heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what sets you apart from anyone else. Is that you have given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. That makes you a Christian. That's what sets you apart. Leo Tolstoy, the author, he said, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. My second point is that your heart is a reflection of your true self. Your heart is a reflection of your true self. See, the unsaved person has not given their heart to Jesus. I want to... Um, I want to share with you something. It's just an analogy that God gave me. And it's really about three levels of relationships that we have. And it takes, it takes an analogy in the Old Testament of, of, of prophets and the temple. And there are three levels, and you have to picture it like this. A square in a square in a square, which is representative of the temple. So you have three squares First level is this. This is the outer courts. So if you want to write that down on a piece of paper, write this down. There are three levels of relationships and put three squares, one square and another square and another square. There are three levels of relationships. First, there's the outer courts, which is where I believe 90% of relationships take place. These are coworkers. These are acquaintances. These might be associates, business partners, people you work with, people you work for. They're out-of-court relationships. And these relationships are mostly superficial. And that's okay. That's okay. They're not intended to be deep, they're not intended to be uh, uh, times where we, we invest a great deal of, 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 of energy and time. These are outer court relationships. 90% of our relationships happen in that area. Let's move on to the next phase. The next phase is the inner courts. And this is where I believe 9% of relationships take place. And these are family. This is family. People who know you very, very well. People who have spent time with you, who have spent their life with you. And these are friends as well. Friends who, 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 who love you, who care about you. People who you know very well. 
and you have invested in them. You know, you don't have 439 friends like you do on Facebook. You don't have that many friends. They're not friends. They're just people you know. What you do have is you have on one hand people who you could call friends. In fact, I've, I've heard a, a story told that a, he's a preacher. He was from uh, Oklahoma. And his name was Oral Roberts. Now, I didn't know the man. I've heard about him. But he's very, very well known to people who are of the Pentecostal uh, faith. People loved Oral Roberts. Had a lot of friendships. And, and founded a university and radio station and a lot of ministries and things like this. Knew a lot of people. And he said, and, and I heard the story told by a preacher in Greenville... He said, and, and, and Oral Roberts, when he told the story, was very old. He said, if you get to the end of your life and you can count the amount of friends you have in your life on one hand, you are a very blessed person. Think about that. If you get to the end of your life and you can count the amount of friends you have on, on one hand, you are a very blessed person. See, this is the inner court relationships. This is what I'm talking about. The, the, the 9% of relationships are spent in intercourse. Now we want to move on to the next and most deepest level. The third level, which is the holy of holies. This is the inner square if you wrote three squares on a piece of paper. This, this is a very, very special place. It's a very intimate place. And I've, I've written 1%. But really, I believe, I believe it's, it's, it's even greater than that. I believe that it, the 1% is not 1%. The 1% is 1% person one person who has that access see our problem is today we want to we want to take the 90% and open up to a very on a very intimate level to people we don't even know see god in the Old Testament, in the Bible, this was such an important place, such a special place that only one priest, one priest who was elected, who was chosen, could go into this special place one time a year to offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. And, and really what this is, this is an analogy of marriage. This is an analogy of marriage where only one person is to occupy your, that space. And only God himself 
meet you there. See, this is a very dangerous place. I want to say this. Lord, help me to get it out. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to hurt. This is a very dangerous place for young girls. Because what happens is a, is a young girl who does not have, it can be a teenage girl who does not have a father figure, a person of authority in their life, who does not show them boundaries and areas of healthy relationships, will open herself up to someone who she thinks loves her and tells her he loves her. And so what what happens is she gives her heart to somebody who can't control his body. Why would you do that? He has no covenant with you. He hasn't proven himself on any of these two levels. But he tells... He tells a girl what she wants to hear. And she thinks that's intimacy. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Also in Ephesians 2, it says, we were dead in sin and trespasses. And what's, what's a trespass? You see the sign, no trespassing. If you're a hunter, you know the sign because you see him. No trespassing. What does this mean? It means that you do not have authority to go there. You do not have authority to be in there. You have no legal authority. And the Bible says that we were dead in our sin and trespasses. Which means that we were someplace that we had no legal authority to be. And so in this holy of holies place, this is only intended for one person. And really that person is Jesus Christ himself. Why? Because only Jesus Christ has created your heart. And only he can handle it. No one can handle your heart. Because they're not created to. They're just like you. You've got to have someone who has who has even greater, uh, greater care, who has created your heart. We get disappointed because we, we've given our heart to people, but we, we find that they crush it. They step on it. They abuse it. The word abuse really comes, I, I think, I haven't done it, but the word abuse comes from really abnormal use. Leads to Abuse. I heard a song on the radio. I was, uh, uh, it was um, Friday night. My son was at, he was at a dance at his middle school. And the song on the radio was, I'm in love with your body. I was like, what? What? Don't even know the person. Says nothing about the relationship that you have established. But you can be in love with a body. 
Jesse Duplantis said it like this, and I'm going to just say it the way I heard it because it's the best way I know how to say it. He said, never fall in love with parts and pieces. You fall in love with a whole person. That's powerful. See, the issues of life come from the heart. That's, that's my third point. The issues of life come from the heart. See, we need a Savior who has a greater power than our own. Because the heart is corrupt. Your heart is corrupt. That's what the Bible says over and over. God's going to have to give you a new heart. He's going to have to perform heart surgery on you. It has to happen. It has to take place. Otherwise, the Bible says you are dead in your sins and your trespasses. Someplace you have no legal authority to be. An interloper might be another word. But we have a Savior who has a greater power than our own. Let's look at John 3.16. I'm going to have to wrap this up. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God so loved the world that he gave. I hear about God's anger being satisfied. But what about God's generosity? What about how generous he was with his son and is to people who don't even receive his son? Says God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We need someone who can forgive us for all the bad things that we've done. And I'm going to ask Margie to come forward because some of us have given our heart to things and to people and then we we have suffered damage. Some of us, our heart testifies against us because we know we have not done what is right. We need need someone who can renew our broken hearts, who can make us whole from the inside out, make us whole people, and restore what has been lost, restore what is missing, restore what is broken, and make you whole. Another person is not capable of doing that in your heart but only Jesus has the ability to do it what am I saying I'm saying that I'm saying that it's time to give your heart to the Lord it's time to give your heart to Jesus Christ And as Margie begins to play, I'm just going to go over Romans 10, 9, and 10. And I'm going to wrap this up. Because it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. What's the difference? What makes a Christian different? It's because they're saved. Because they have said yes to Jesus Christ in their heart and life. And someone here this morning needs to say yes to Jesus Christ in their heart and life. You need to be saved this morning. 
You need a new heart. You need Jesus to perform heart surgery on you from the inside out. Listen, save yourself a lot of heartache, a lot of trouble in life. Say yes to Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart, it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, made just. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me this morning. And if this altar is here, you need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ this morning. That's why we're here. That's why we do it for you. For you have to have the opportunity to really experience what Valentine's Day is all about. And it's about love. It's about godly love. So much so, in fact, that the Bible says that God so loved the world. God so loved you and you and you and you and you and you that he gave. We have a generous God. And he wants to perform his work in your heart and in your life. So will you let him do it this morning? Will you say yes? And this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray a simple prayer together. And all you're going to have to do See, I don't, want to, I don't want anyone to not be saved. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray a simple prayer together. All of us. I don't want to assume anything. So we're all going to pray here this morning. And maybe you've said a, a similar prayer before. But I want to make sure. And I want you to know for sure. That you are His. That He is yours. And that you belong to him. Will you pray with me this morning? Dear Jesus. Everybody. Dear Jesus. Forgive me. I have not always done what is right. I open up my heart. And my life. To you. This morning. Save me. Cleanse me. Heal me. And receive me as your own from this day forward and forever. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, then I'm going to ask that you you get in contact with the church staff, that you make contact with the church, that you, you, you let us know that I have prayed that prayer for the first time, that I have said yes to Jesus Christ in my heart and life. Again, God loves you. He sent His Son for you to die for you. And if you said that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you in to the family of God. And say that you are one of his and that you are saved now. So if you have prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you, would you let us know? 
Would you let the pastor know? Would you contact the church? Let one of the staff know. Because we want, we want to show you what's next now. We want to help you to take the next step of faith and life in Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here this morning. Let me bless you. Father, I bless your people here this morning. And I pray the words that have come out of my mouth were not my words, but Lord, your words that have penetrated us to the heart. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And thank you for giving us your very best. Lord, give us all new hearts that we can go out of here with a a, a new spirit, a new heart, and a new person because of what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go blessed. Go filled. Go in peace.